0: Hello, everyone. This is Brandon, and welcome to the Brands Corner podcast. I'm really excited to have you all here. So, today I'll be here with my guest, Allison Smith, in just one moment. So, please stay tuned. Hello, everyone. This is Brandon, and welcome to today's episode of the Brands Corner podcast. I'm really excited to be here with you all for another new interview. And so, today, I'm happy to have Allison Smith with me. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Yeah, thanks so much, Brandon. Happy to be on your show.
0: Yeah, well, I'm really glad to have you. And so, first of all, I did want to ask, how are you doing today?
1: And I love the introductory question. I am doing great on this fine Monday. Um, I'm about two cups of coffee in. The sun's shining, so it's a it's a great day. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing quite well. I mean, it's a very pleasant afternoon thus far, and so. I'm just really excited to see what this day has to hold.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be a good one.
0: Yeah, and so I'm actually gonna give you a moment to go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience before we go ahead and get started with any further questions.
1: Yeah, sounds good. Uh, Hi everyone, my name is Allison Smith. I am currently a project consultant at APCO Worldwide uh, based in Washington, DC. I am originally from North Carolina, uh, but I moved to the city about a year ago Still learning, but happy to be here. And um, yeah, that's just a little bit about me. Happy to talk all things DC and North Carolina.
0: Well, awesome. Well, actually, I'll go ahead and yeah and start in that direction as well. so so what really brought you yeah initially to Washington DC and how was life there in the district?
1: Yeah, really great question. Uh, so I am from a smaller town in North Carolina. I grew up there, I went to school uh, in North Carolina and it means a lot to me, but I always knew that I wanted to explore a little bit outside of the state. I admittedly wasn't quite ready for a huge city. You know, I used to dream of New York. Uh, I saw those bright lights and I was like, I wanna be there. Um, But once I started finding more of my interest and fine tuning what that looked like, DC was the perfect happy medium for me. It's just big enough um, that I'm very much so living that city life, but it reminds me of home just a little bit. And that is what keeps me going. And it's it's been great just being able to explore a city that holds so much um, history and, and influence and getting to know a bit more about the city itself. I am very interested in public affairs. I keep up with all things politics, even when it hurts me to do so. Uh, And being in the center of it all has made for a very engaging and active view of how our country operates, how the world operates and has helped me find what I'm interested in doing professionally.
0: Well, first of all, I'd really like to comment on how I really like what you said about you know like the history behind it and how like there's so much historical parts of you know of the district because I know for me like even though I guess my main interests lie in you know communication and a bit of STEM it's like I'm very much like a history enthusiast like in my own right and so I mean I know for me like I'm just such an awe of like all the history behind you know, the whole area. So I can't even imagine like you know, living within history.
1: Yeah, no, and that's a, a great point. i I was in an Uber on the way to the office even last week. and I was just looking around and reflecting on the fact of how thankful I am to live here. And when we're going the day to day all the time, it's easy to get lost and and the little things that bring us joy. And even as I just looked at the passing sidewalks and the buildings, I was just so incredibly grateful uh, for my journey of how I got here and to live in a city like D.C.
0: Well, that's really interesting. And so I'm actually going to take a step back now and say, so, so, you know, from where you originally started off, you know, North Carolina. So for you, what really got you interested And yeah, strategic communications, public relations, and the whole whole field. What started that for you?
1: Yeah, I love that question. I think that communication in all of its forms is vastly underestimated. I, I don't think people realize the power of just interacting with other people. And I am fascinated by diplomacy. I also studied, in addition to media and journalism, I studied peace, war, and defense, um, which is what my um, university, UNC Chapel Hill, that's what they called it, but it's a, it's a form of saying international relations. And so for me, diplomacy had been constructed as this formal way of communicating. you know we think about diplomats and at one point in my life my dream job was to be a diplomat because it holds such a high esteem. But then as I started working my way through through college and the classes that I was taking, I was seeing diplomacy un, unfold itself in these often informal ways. So how we talk to our colleagues, how we talk to our professors, Um, And ultimately all of this is building on to storytelling and it's a way to share our stories and to tell others and how we piece all that together is what I like to think about as public relations. And so where I find myself now in my current job, it's a way you're almost serving as like a bridge. So you're linking all of these people together and whether that be a client facing role or an in-house role, it's a way of telling stories that may not be told otherwise, making sure that they're authentic and transparent and compelling, uh, all the while making sure that they're heard. So part of that is, you know, the mass communication part of it. And I think for me, I've found that diplomacy isn't always formal, um, and I ultimately found a way to take the skill set of writing and research and making it so that I, I also get to tell stories, which is a key part of why I do what I do.
0: Wow, well, that's actually really interesting. Yeah, I mean, your interest, like, behind, like, diplomacy and everything. Because, yeah, I think, yeah, that's a really, yeah, at least in my thought process, yeah, you know, I mean, a very unique way of, like, getting into this field. And so out of curiosity, I mean, if the opportunity were to ever arise, would you ever you know, still be interested in being a diplomat?
1: I have to say I would be, because I think what, what diplomats do and foreign service officers do, it's, it's a really incredible, um, and obviously there's a lot of things that are not told because they can't be, but in my mind, uh, that form of diplomacy is something that's really appealing to me. I tend to keep a pulse on what's happening in the world, um, and looking at specific regions and just thinking critically about our role as communicators. Um, but yeah, I, I tend to keep up with most things global affairs. And if the, if the opportunity emerged, because who knows where I'll be in in the upcoming years, uh, would definitely consider it very heavily.
0: Well, that is yeah, really interesting to hear. And so I guess going back, though, so what made you choose? UNC Chapel Hill as a, yeah, as a spot for you to, you know, to really grow your love for, you know, for all things storytelling, communication, and otherwise.
1: Yeah, and, and I do, and I love talking about this, uh, for any North Carolina listeners, you'll, you'll hear where I'm coming from, but, uh, growing up, I mean, UNC Chapel Hill, it holds, it holds this image of just being, a great place to start the journey of changing the world. And and I know that sounds so high level and idyllic, but truly the way that it's marketed is just, it's where the change makers go. And I remember growing up um, and looking at it as that place, I was like, I wanna be there. And so I worked really hard in high school, um, thankfully was accepted and started knowing that they have one of the best media and journalism programs in the country. Um, What is now the Hussman School of Journalism and Media is an incredible place where I had hands-on experience learning about crisis communication, learning about PR case studies, because as we know, these things will keep happening. Uh, History repeats itself. So really thinking critically about how did they respond then? How did communicators help alleviate a situation or tell a, a specific story? And so for me, UNC was always that dream. Uh, it was my my dream school. And I'm so thankful that it worked out um, and it, it truly did prepare me for the next phases of my life. And yeah, I am a huge, I speak very highly of, of UNC and can I can see it holistically, but I also acknowledge that um, I'm internally grateful to have had my education there and yeah as a North Carolinian it's it's the dream (laughs) so so happy that it worked out for me.
0: Well I'm so glad it did work out for you yeah especially leading you to where you are now and so yeah and so during your time at UNC Chapel Hill and then even yeah maybe even in high school and beforehand yeah have you were you involved like with any sort of I mean, communication positions, like you mentioned, you know, journalism and media, were you involved in any of that type of stuff?
1: Yeah, I'm taken back to in high school, uh, we had a journalism club. And I remember distinctively being asked, we were going around in a circle talking about our assignments, like what did we wanna write about? And admittedly, the stakes were low. I think I was in 10th grade um, thinking about what do I care about? And naturally I wrote a piece on Adele. She had just come out with her 25 album. And for people that know me, they understand that Adele is someone that I could talk about on end. for probably years, because I just think that she's incredibly talented. So I wrote this very, what I think, beautiful piece on, on 25. I did like the album analysis, and maybe two people read it. I mean, I, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> it went to the masses, but I think it's in those moments where, and I've seen it time and time again, when we put our thoughts on paper, and we capture, whether it be our feelings or our aspirations or our goals, when we put it on paper, it's a way to put it in a format that means something to us. It doesn't have to mean anything to anyone else, because when we're writing, that is for us as human beings. And so it all started with Adele. I'll give her credit. Maybe one day when I am a diplomat, I'll say it all started with Adele. And in college, I actually was a copy editor uh, for the Daily Tar Heel, which is a local um, student-led paper in Chapel Hill for the university. And over the years, I've watched endlessly as they continue to, to lead the charge and change the story and tell the stories, I should say. And so both of those experiences, both journalism club and high school, when we really didn't know what that meant, um, but also in college, when I was helping, you know, the one of the most um, accomplished student-led newspapers for a university, both of those shaped how I viewed my writing, how other people tell their stories, and all of that combines into this story of where I'm at now. Um, and I'm recognizing I've said the word story probably 120 times, but... It is for me, it does all come down to that element, uh, which i'm I'm thankful to get to do every day now
0: Well yeah, that's actually really i'm mean, interesting that you brought that up and before I you know comment more on that, I did want to i mean to make some some other comments as well and so first of all, that question must have been really powerful in temporary yeah, for the what do you care about yeah, I mean to essentially have i mean inadvertently led you through this whole this whole journey to where you are now i mean i'm not sure if you still are in communication or not with your tenth grade teacher but i mean that that right there is i mean sort of like a testament to how powerful classes can be really
1: yeah absolutely and i i saw this especially in college but there are professors in my in my head that i always i always reference as the people that may not have known they were making a difference, Um, not knowing how one sentence or one feedback on a paper or a test or whatever it may be, they don't think maybe that they're making as much of an impact as they are. But those professors that I can count on one hand continue to almost live in my head of like, I'll say like, what would they do? Or what would they say? And, it, and it's that kind of power of mentorship and leadership uh, that changed people's lives. And so I have a long list of people to think, but I do always think about the teachers and the professors that, that helped me get here.
0: Well, I'm glad that they were able, I mean, to have such a big impact on you. And so, and so yeah, going back to what you're saying though, about, I mean, about storytelling, I like how, yeah, that you're really able to make that like such a big emphasis on a lot of the stuff that you do. And even in, I mean, in parts of communication where you wouldn't even typically think of, yeah, you know, storytelling, like, yeah, you know, public relations and, yeah, I mean, in media. But I mean, that really is essentially the essence of it all.
1: Exactly. And I see it in my client facing role now uh, when you have. You know, if it's an account that we're working on or team meetings, even, or we love having brainstorms, it's about bringing those innovative ideas to the table, but always having in mind, how do we want to tell this? And like, what is it that we're trying to tell? And ultimately, I mean, that for me is what communications is, um, and it's how we present. It's like you're putting these words so beautifully together, and it is a craft, and um, anyone that says differently, no, (laughs) Um, but it's truly, it's a craft of, we have this entire language, and what words are we choosing, and how are we finding the pathos and all of that to distribute a really wonderful story?
0: Well, I mean, like, like you said, I mean, that, like, is certainly true. In fact, I'm like, even saying, bit right now on, I mean, on digital storytelling, and you're able to sort of I mean, see the progression all the way from, I mean, like cave paintings all the way to present. And it, I mean, it's just so interesting, like the big impact it has like within our everyday lives, even if we don't, I mean, like consciously think about it.
1: Right. And I, I think, and for listeners that feel similar to this, but watching an idea transform from a word or a thought or a sketch and watching it progress all the way into a campaign, a message, um, an earned media placement even, all of these things, it's like watching it phase by phase become something so holistic uh, that you can always point to and say, this started with a single idea that is now something very cohesive and usually public facing, uh, which which is always awesome.
0: Yeah, definitely, and and going back a few steps into something that you were mentioning earlier, yeah, and and where you were, I mean, really exploring like all different types of communication is one. of The ones you mentioned was crisis communication, and so are you able to tell us a little bit about that because I mean, it's sort of becoming like a personal favorite, like for me in studying, but I definitely want to hear what you have to say about it.
1: Yeah, and and I think it's it's necessary. Crisis communication will always be necessary. So I had a course uh, at UNC. It was a crisis communication course, and it was entirely set up so that we were broken into teams and we each get a mock client. It's It's a real life client, but we are not actually representing them. And throughout the entire semester, we built out a crisis communication plan, including how we would respond to things. So we're seeing both the proactive and the reactive elements of if this happens, how will this company respond? And it's a the entire semester leads up to a mock press conference where the business journalism students um, that were in another course would come in act as the reporters so they had their list of questions you know coming in and then we from our end of the more public relations side of things would represent our mock clients and um, I had never, tested in in quite a way as I was during crisis communication. I think I remember the feeling of walking out of that mock press conference saying, I don't know if I can do this every day, but I do know that the feeling that that I'm experiencing right now is one of the best feelings ever because you've worked hard for months. And I understand in crisis, you usually don't have months uh, and you usually don't even have days, but to be able to build something where we could say, here's the plan. Here's what's happening. It's all forward looking. So it's like you are creating the next steps for this company of what happens now. And that is that is a feeling that I will, I will remember. I am a big scandal fan uh, and Olivia Pope as I'm sure many would say, was like an idol for me because I was like, I want to be Olivia Pope. Like I want to walk into a room and say it's handled. And crisis communication was my small taste of of that. And I, I don't specialize in crisis now, but I never closed that door entirely because it's such a fascinating way of communicating. And it's so fast paced that if for anyone that wants a constant challenge and um, constant waking up every day, maybe not knowing uh, what your your day-to-day looks like, I would say definitely explore crisis um, because it will be a permanent fixture of how we communicate.
0: Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with that. I mean, it plays such a like integral role in you know, both, well, I mean, even going back to what you're saying about storytelling, I mean, if it's not handled well, I, that's sort of the end of the story for the company or person. Right. Or,
1: yeah, absolutely, and and I think we see that, and we have been seeing that, um, with how you know the COVID nineteen pandemic is addressed publicly. So, something in the early days, I would watch uh, the press briefings and taken how they're messaging things. And I think when you're approaching conversations from a communicator perspective, you start picking up on the patterns and you can tell, you know, what is it that they're being told it's okay to say. (laughs) So they're building entire strategies around the messaging pillars. And when you're watching, or at least for me, when I'm watching like a briefing of any kind and always happening in the back of my mind, I'm like, What? how did they prep for this? And what were they told? It's like, here are the areas we're going to focus on. Um, And not to say that it always ends up following the straight line of, they get to talk about everything that they want to say. But it's an interesting way of looking at how they were prepared uh, for any kind of public um, appearance.
0: Yeah, sort of like looking almost like a I guess, figuring out like what what was sort of happening behind the scenes and what was done to prepare and.
1: Yeah, and I do think about that because there are so many people that operate behind the scenes that lead the charge, especially in communications um, of what's happening, but they they maybe don't get the name recognition. um, But when you are a communicator and this is your profession, you look at the more public facing people and you're saying there's an entire team or multiple teams operating to make sure that this goes smoothly.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, that, you know, brings up two things to mind. I mean, okay. one of them is, yeah, on a completely different side of communication, like even thinking about, I mean, like you have know, movies and TV shows and how they always, yeah you know, it's like the writers are credited, the directors are credited, but I mean, but really knowing that I mean, sometimes there's even like, yeah, a hundred, if not more people like behind the scenes and working. I mean, even for smaller productions, you know, five, six, seven, yeah, I mean, people a part of it and, you know, but that everyone has to work on a team. and Everyone has to do sort of their jobs to perfection in order to get, you know, to the final product.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I make a note or a, it's more of a mental note where I'm like, I will silently acknowledge <laughs> that there are, are many, many people that make something appear effortless. And I think that's a really cool part of what we do um, is we help make things appear effortless.
0: Yeah. And I mean, first of all, I mean, your work is definitely very yeah appreciate, yeah appreciate appreciated. And so I know you mentioned earlier that, yeah, that while crisis communication is not necessarily your specialty, are you able to tell us a little bit about what is your specialty?
1: Yeah, and and I'll spend a bit of time talking about the program that I'm in at APCO uh, worldwide, but I am in APCO Plus, which is essentially an 18-month um, mentorship, I'd say, program where we are given all of the roles and responsibilities of a full-time employee. I mean, I uh, started as an intern, moved uh, into a project assistant role, and now a project consultant. And throughout this time and, and growth, I've seen an immense view into what I am interested in, because I am 23 years old. If you were to ask me as a child what I wanted to be when I grew up, I would say a pediatrician, because my older sister said I heard her utter the word pediatrician and then I got it stuck in my head not knowing what that meant um, at all and did I go to medical school no uh, am I doing anything in the medical profession no and so it's all to say that things change and being exposed to different opportunities which I'm immensely grateful to have had the experiences that I've had and continue to have but at ABCO, with the current portfolio that I, I have right now, I'm being exposed to a lot of different industries, whether that be transportation, energy, the nonprofit space, trade associations. And from that, and this is hands-on work, that I'm able to say, what am I actually interested in? And I'm being pulled in the direction more of public affairs. I think being in DC, uh, it, it is appealing to, to be in the room where it where it happens uh and i and i don't want to sound superficial at all but there's a draw to saying i want to be a decision maker and i want to help influence what is happening in the city and how it impacts everything else that's happening and so part of that is looking at the work that i'm doing connecting the dots i'm a huge proponent of taking everything that i consume and turning it into a bigger picture. So being able to piece everything together. And so although not crisis, even though the APCO crisis team is actually incredible, uh, it's to say that each day I have these experiences that are pulling me a bit more toward public uh, affairs and all of those interesting dynamics, but that's not to say that that door for any other team is shut because that's the great part of the program that I'm in and APCO more generally is that I can change and we as human beings change. It's a natural part of who we are and what we do. And so I think a layer to this is recognizing that what I'm interested in today and tomorrow probably won't be what I'm interested in three years down the road, five years down the road. And I thankfully had a recent experience where I was able to map out a bit of my career plan, so to speak, which looking at it, I wrote it all out on an erasable wall, took lots of pictures um, and seeing it unfold. It's like, what am I interested in? What are my strengths? Where do I wanna end up? And I am someone that thinks that way. And so this is all the while acknowledging again, as I've said, I could be interested in something in the next hour that maybe I'm not interested in next year. And that's okay. And I think that's part of communications is there are so many different areas to grow from.
0: Yeah, well, I I mean, I definitely agree with that. And for myself as a future like a future-focused thinker, it's like you always need to have like that, that next plan like in place, even if it's just a very broad mental plan, like somewhere to head, something to work for.
1: Absolutely. And I am also a, a future, look. I look ahead um, because I think we have to anticipate things. And we also, it's this interesting mix of both personal professional development um, so it's to say, I have to know what I want to happen in the next year or so, because that's how I operate. I have to be able to have a plan, um, because I'm a purpose-driven person, and purpose for me is everything. It's why we all wake up each day and think about what we want to accomplish. It's because we have a purpose, so I'm still figuring that all out, uh, as I feel like all young professionals and. And even more experienced professionals is thinking about what do I care about and why do I care about it? Um, and how do we, how do we keep working at it?
0: Yeah. And out of curiosity for, you know, when you recently mapped out your future career plans, was that something you decided to do on your own or, or were you asked to do that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. And it's so, I proactively asked to do this because I had been feeling a bit stuck and not knowing what happens next. And I talked to my manager about it. And I said, is this something that we can do? Um, We blocked off um, an hour and a half of time. We went to a whiteboard, got out all the colors of markers and quite literally started from where I'm at now where where I've been and what I've learned from that, but where I want to end up. And it's it was the constant questioning my manager would ask throughout, where I was like, I have not thought about my career in this way because most people don't have the time to just sit down and say, where do I want to be in three to five years? And it's a terrifying question. And I hadn't thought about it in the depth that I did that day because most people can't handle, and I usually can't handle thinking that deeply about myself and what I want. Um, Borderline existential crisis, (laughs) it's like I was encouraged to think that day. So it was a mix of me saying, I need to figure out my purpose because it's how I operate and it's how I do well when I know what I'm working toward and I have a support system at APCO that was completely on board. They're like, this is an incredible idea. And it's now even becoming that we are encouraging others to just think about where you want to be and hold the time, put the calendar block even, and to just say, I will do a better job today because I know what I'm working toward three years down that road. And so it's been a, a a huge encouragement to me, and i've I've been very vocal about it because I think all people should think critically about what you want for yourself and how you'll get there.
0: Yeah well, I definitely think that I mean that's such a great approach. And I'm so glad that I mean that your management team was so supportive of it, and I mean it was working I mean to even help you with it and yeah, be someone that can you know, listen to what you wanna do and sort of help guide you in that sense.
1: Absolutely, and for me, I think I rely heavily on mentorship because people are able to look at who we are sometimes in a way that we ourselves can't see. And so part of the benefit of having you know my manager in the room is that she's able to say like, Allison. I know how you responded in this situation. Like how how does that contribute to what you want to accomplish? And typically these mentors that we surround ourselves with, they have an insight into different parts of how we operate that we maybe can't see quite as clearly yet. And so it's not something, it's not like a one person job by any means. And I rely heavily on finding those people that will advocate for you and that know you better than sometimes you know yourself, and having them in the room, because I certainly am not going to map out a career plan that maybe I won't stick to, who knows, but I have a plan. And I wouldn't have done that without having the people that can say, here's what we're seeing, because it's about having those different perspectives and knowing that it takes it takes a network of people to, to get us where we all are.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I mean, I love that terminology that you use, that it takes a network. And I mean, that that really is true. I mean, it's almost, and well, first of all, I mean, you, you being able to map, map out this career plan and sort of, as you mentioned, like sort of figure out, I mean, the little ex, um, existential crisis is, I mean, first of all, that's really great. I mean, for, yeah, I mean, for mental health as well.
1: Exactly. And, and I find myself, if I focus too much on the past, or even if I am living too wholly in the present, without having those almost um, the vision to say, here's what's happening down the road. I won't I won't be living my most authentic self because I recognize that I need to have that plan. It's a necessity. And thankfully everyone around me knows that as well. And so even when I'm talking to someone and if I know how they operate as people, I can help in that role as well to say like, oh, have you thought about it this way? or how can I help you? Because it's all about a mutually beneficial dynamic where it's to say, I don't do all this for myself. I think about how can we lift others up as well? And so while I do have mentors, I've made a note to do more active mentorship as well, whether that be helping talk to students, which I have thoroughly enjoyed doing, even being on this, this wonderful podcast with you, Brandon, like how can we just help each other because it's not any of us operating in a vacuum we all have the people around us that want us to succeed and do better and so part of my journey is figuring out how i can help others do that as well and again as an optimist i i do fully believe that all things work out but i think that it takes the learnings and it takes the experience to say here's how I'm going to get from point A to point Z and here are all the people along the way that helped me get there.
0: Yeah I mean I completely get that and I mean even from personal experience I mean like we said I mean as future focused thinkers it's like when there's not like a, a future plan it's just like I don't know. It just feels like, I mean, you're almost like repeating yourself just like every day, week after week. And it's just like, like you, you need to have something to look forward to, even if it's just as simple as, I mean, you know, here's the next project for the job or the next one. It's like, but knowing like where you're heading, where is the actual angle, as opposed to just sort of being, I mean, present.
1: Absolutely. And part of that is coming from college where typically we have a structure. I mean, there's the structure of going to class, of assignments, of any extracurriculars, of making time for personal things that you like to do, but there is a structure. And I think for me, my quote adulthood (laughs) came um, a bit unexpectedly with the onset of the pandemic. Um, I graduated in May of 2020, but I finished college in a virtual environment. And so a lot of that structure and cohesiveness disappeared overnight. And, and we were all dealing with sudden, you know, changes and having to adapt. And I can count at least a hundred times, you know, we were called resilient. And I've carried that quite a bit because I think we all had to develop some kind of resiliency. And so for me, in this life that I'm living now, I've had to create my own structure, because I don't go to classes, Uh, I don't have club meetings that I go to, or, you know, the the five minutes in my day where I'm like, I'm going to call my mom, and this is a a pro tip, always call your loved ones, if you (laughs) just make, even if you have to pin it on, like, a calendar, like, call your loved ones, I, I think these are the things that I've had to build up as almost my routine, because otherwise I didn't ha- I don't have a structure. I mean, I work my, my day job, but then what do I do in my free time? And that's a whole other existential crisis I've been having. Like, what are my hobbies? What do I enjoy doing? Because I didn't have I didn't have the need to think about these things before because I had a structure in my day-to day.
0: Well, wow. I mean, first of all, I mean, I'm just really, I mean, really enjoying like hearing like all about, I mean, your journey like what you're doing now, like, like how you got to where you are. And I certainly think that especially these last few minutes will certainly, I mean, really help out some people who are listening and just, I mean, because this truly is stuff that, especially over these past few years, that's really, I mean, come into play and, a lot of times i think it's like people we we know that like we need to do something but we don't really know what is that first step what do we need to do and so first of all thank you so much for i mean for sharing all about that that 7 no oh,
1: of course no happy to happy to share and and talk about things that I feel like are commonalities, but again, my experience is unique to me, and everyone's experiences are personal to them. so it's certainly not blanket statements and and I definitely don't know everything or much of, <laughs> of anything, but what I do know is that it all works out, and I've had an incredible journey so far, and i I'm just excited to see see what comes
0: next. Well, awesome and. I actually, I meant to ask this earlier, but like, what actually brought you to uh, to Apco initially?
1: Yeah, I. Great question. I should have probably given more background on that. I, when I graduated in May of 2020, in a terrible job market, uh, I was looking far and wide. Excuse the sirens, perks of city living, um, but all to say. I was looking on LinkedIn, you know, all of the job sites, I stumbled upon an internship with APCO's global marketing team. Uh, the global marketing team is not as client facing. Uh, it was presented to me as if you think of APCO as your client, that is the global marketing team. They're constantly making sure that the brand is cohesive and that it's progressing, um, but it also involves internal communication and employee engagement. So there are a lot of moving pieces. I thankfully got the internship, uh, worked on their team for four months. And ultimately, I in some ways fell in love with a company. And it's, it's, a, it's an interesting story of, you see places having values, but I'm more about action. You know, Again, we, we can have all the world, words in the world, but what do you do with them? And to me, APCO is, a, is an example of living out those values. And I may be a bit biased, but the people are what I look forward to every single day because I get to log on or go in the office and work with some of the brightest minds that I've ever met. And part of that just continues to contribute to why we do what we do and why I've chosen to continue my journey, um, which I'm now in a client facing role. So seeing it from both sides, has been an incredibly transformative experience for me. And it's all about managing relationships and relationship building and how we keep keep those connections alive and how we almost nurture them so that they can continue and we can still have an impact moving forward.
0: Well, I mean, I just, I'm just so glad that, I mean, that sort of all of that was able to work out for you. And I completely agree with what you were, I mean, what you're saying before that Especially like for me as a optimist who also likes a little bit of, you know, I mean, realism, of course, but, you know, but that everything tends to, to work out. And so, yeah, I mean, for you, you know, you're in the client, you know, facing world that, you know, that you mentioned that you love, you're able to do some of that storytelling that you really want to do. And then plus, as you mentioned before, with your focus and public affairs, that sort of takes you almost round circle to, I mean, to your initial—I mean—dream of you know, of ambassador. I mean, like within that same sphere. So, I mean, that's sort Absolutely. of been working out for you.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's ironic sometimes how we've we've come full circle, and things that I couldn't process back a few years ago they now make perfect sense, and it's it has all come full circle. So that's always—I uh, get a lot of fulfillment from watching things transform.
0: Well, awesome. And so before we begin to, I'm mean, going to slowly close out this interview, I did want to um, to ask, so since you mentioned that, you know, you recently had, you know, I mean, planned out your career pathway, are you able to share um, a little bit, if you're willing to, about sort of where you see yourself going in the future?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, you all are getting a sneak peek into the mind of Allison Smith. It's a scary place sometimes, but Here's a an overview of, of what I learned from, from that session. So I am someone that has a tendency to want to build a relationship, which as I'm sure you all can guess after this discussion, you're all probably thinking, duh, Allison, you should have already known this, but it's more about how does that manifest? And so what I'm seeing for myself is more of that client management, um, client services, where it's really about you know, almost having a a second look into how our clients think. So being able to anticipate and being proactive, bringing the new ideas, but also being that mediator to some capacity between, you know, the team and the client. And that, of course, is a a long-term goal, um, which is why it is a part of a long-term career plan. But all to say that, I am slowly finding my bread and butter, as the metaphor goes, of communicating with clients. And right now I'm doing more of the deliverable aspect or taking, you know, first drafts of materials. But that's all to say that I'm slowly learning how the client thinks. So when I am drafting something or creating something, which goes through, it's a team process. So there are lots of review and helpful feedback, but it's all to say, when the client looks at this, what will they be thinking? And slowly but surely, I'm optimistic that I'm developing that sense of what will the client think? And it's all about anticipation and being able to respond to things so that you are managing that relationship that's healthy, making it healthy and making it creative. Because part of our jobs is to constantly bring new ideas. And that takes a lot of brain power. But when you're starting where I'm at right now and you're helping draft things and take the first pass at materials, you are thinking ahead of what, what are we trying to say? and how are we saying it? And thinking through the lens of the client. So all this ties together. Uh, I've now rambled about my career plan. So that goes to show a lot of discussion went into it, but the ultimate goal is to be more of that client facing um, and client management person. And thankfully, I have a lot of people in, on my teams and in my mentor circles that are very willing to help me get there and think critically about Things that I can start doing or that I can evolve uh, to do where it's helping me reach that goal of being the client services point person, basically. Uh, So that's the sneak peek. Don't tell too many people about this (laughs) plan. Um, But yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes.
0: Well, I'm really, I mean, excited to sort of, I mean, hear your, how your story progresses. And of course, definitely keep me posted on how everything you know, goes as well. I'd love to hear all about your progression over the years. I mean, I can't wait to see what happens.
1: Oh, Brandon, we're like best friends now. You just wait. I'll be checking in a lot. So you'll be hearing from me quite a bit.
0: Well, I'm glad to hear it. and And sort of one of the things that you just mentioned made me think about something I meant to ask earlier I mean well meant to say earlier was that I love how you mentioned I mean truly like you mentioned how I mean so many different mentors and and yeah and managers and so many other people play such a and I mean even former you know professors and teachers have played such a vital like role in your development and how I mean you're essentially displaying it like as a team effort that you know it's like even though this may be I mean your life or your journey that I mean, truly, it was, I mean, all thanks to the people that surrounded you that is the reason you are now. And that's just something I truly, I mean, if I like really stood out as like a highlight of, I mean, that really sort of highlights everything that we've been saying here. And it all comes down to those connections, really.
1: Absolutely. And I, yeah, I wouldn't be anywhere without the people that were rooting for me, even when I couldn't root for myself or I couldn't find that way to advocate for myself it's still having an entire network of people that are willing to say I will help you get there and I will be there for you of course I have to give a shout out to my mom because my mom's my best friend in the whole entire world and it starts with you know who are the people when you go to sleep at night who are the people in your head that you're like I need to thank them tomorrow or next week, or maybe every year, you need to send an email to that professor and just say, here's where I'm at now. And a huge part of that is because you believed in me when I didn't see that for myself.
0: Well, I really love that sentiment. And so, I mean, as we're closing out, is there anything, first of all, is there anything that, um, that we didn't have a chance to, um, to mention or get through during this, this interview?
1: Yeah, I think I would just say that, you know, I and Brandon, I'm sure you feel similarly, we're in such formative years of our lives, and we're just trying to figure it out. And so I hope that anyone listening, um, I do not have it all together. Uh, I'm sitting here thinking like, okay, I have all these things to do today, and I'm, I'm feeling, you know, that overwhelmed uh, feeling that I sometimes get because I think we at our levels put so much pressure on ourselves. And so I would just say that it's okay to take that five minute walk, go outside, get some sunshine, go buy that overly priced latte if you want, go to a dog park and watch the dogs (laughs) living their best lives. These little things that bring you joy whatever you need to do to get through the day, do them. And no one's going to hold that against you. And so that would be something that I would just really like to emphasize that none of us have it all together. And if anyone says that to you, they're lying. And I would polite, I say that politely, (laughs) but it's okay to take the time that you need and do what you need to do to get through the day.
0: Well, that is, I mean, like I said before, I mean, just such a great segment, and I'm so glad I had a chance to sort of hear your story for all of this, and I mean, truly wishing you all the best in everything going forward.
1: Of course, Brandon, thank you so much for having me. This has been such a pleasure to talk more with you.
0: Oh, yeah, of course, and so for anyone who may be interested in, I mean, continuing to, to hear your story, is there, um, is there anywhere, like, such as, like, online or whatever, that people can continue hearing your story? If not, that's quite all right as well. I at least wanted to give that opportunity.
1: Yeah, no, I, I love that. Um, the subtle plug that we're, <laughs> we're doing. I am happy to connect on LinkedIn, uh, Allison Smith. I understand it's a very generic name. If you're connected to Brandon, I'm sure you'll see me uh, because we're now connected on LinkedIn. And so I would love to keep up with all of you as well, because that's one of the that's something I enjoy. I love seeing how people progress and looking at their goals. Um, so if you'd love to chat more, can be reached on LinkedIn and always happy to chat.
0: Well, awesome. Well, yeah, as we're now closing out this interview, I did want to give a final opportunity. Is there anything else that you would like to say to sort of close out this episode?
1: Yeah, I, I will keep it short and sweet. I'm sure you all, I feel like you all know me better right now than even some of my friends because you're just cheering the the whole picture. But I would say, be kind to yourself and and show the patience with yourself that you tend to show to others. I'm sure it's been said a million different ways, um, but this is my personal spin on it. Just to say, be kind and show yourself that empathy um, that we tend to show to other people.
0: Well, that is awesome. Well, once again, Allison, thank you so much for being here. And yeah, and truly, you're always welcome here if you ever you know, would like to come back or give update, whatever the case may be.
1: That's amazing. Brandon, next time I'm going to interview you because I want to hear more about your journey. So stay tuned for that.
0: Well, I can't you know, wait to see how that goes. And thank yeah. you all so much for, for listening and have a great rest of your day. Go after your goals. I'll see y'all next time.